Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. And welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Drive podcast. My name's Chad Ozy. I'm here with Jeff Cross, and we are having an absolute blast as we spend a little time preparing to talk with you all today. Jeff, how you doing? I'm well. I, you know, I drove the golf cart here today, and I'll be darned if it doesn't start raining. So we're going to see if it's what this baby's made out of. <laughs> <laughs> I even offered to give Jeff a ride back afterwards so he could be in a car, and he's like, nope. Mm-hmm. I'm putting up the windshield, I'm throwing up my hood, and I'm yeah. driving my golf cart. <laughs> Right. Tenacity and grit all day, every day. Tenacity and grit <laughs> or for golf cart driving. Or stupidity, whatever you call it. <laughs> That's good stuff. We hope that you've been enjoying our last several episodes that have been out. We've been talking about Jeff's step back into baseball. Mm. You've heard a little bit about preparation for camp season and all the things that uh, go along with that. And I uh, hope it's been helpful to you as you've been uh, preparing for all the things that go into your training season this summer. Um, we, uh, uh, been talking a little bit about Jeff's camp that's coming up, uh, just, uh, off the air and, uh, some of the exciting things that are happening there and some of the people that are going to be there to, to teach and instruct. And it's always fun hearing about that excitement as we, uh, as we gear up for this stuff. And so, uh, we thought we would do something a little different for this episode. Uh, it seems that some of the, uh, the most listened to episodes, the most commented on episodes, uh, are when we're able to hit kind of multiple topics in uh, in one uh, in one shot, and so uh, Jeff, today's episode comes to us uh, 
courtesy of social media, which mm. I know is everybody's <laughs> favorite thing in the whole world. So is a podcast considered to be social media? No, it is not. Thank God. Nice try. <laughs> now we can share it on social media. And in fact, we would encourage all of our listeners yeah. to do that. I wonder why We'd I'm like not getting to, tagged more in that social media. That's right. If you would like to share our podcast with others, uh, create a link and do a post and say, hey, this has been helpful to us. Yeah, copy and paste, to. brother. That's right. You can System. do that right after you leave your review and your five-star rating for mm-hmm. us. If you have any questions about how to do that, shoot us an email at uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com. Have we done enough there, Jeff? Have we, well, have we gotten all that info out there? I, I gave myself a five-star rating yesterday. When I was listening to <laughs> one of the podcasts. I'm like, man, we sound pretty good. Five stars, you know. <laughs> um, and then we, did, we, we have multiple uh, reviews, you yeah. know. So I think there's some people out there doing it. But um, we... You can't stop. That's right. You got to keep on going. That'd be awesome. Well, today what we're going to do is uh, there have been several things that have hit social media over the last few days, both in Major League Baseball as well as NCAA Baseball leading up to the the different World Series that are taking place. And uh, it it seems like everybody has an opinion Mm. about something that happens. Now, not many of those opinions are educated opinions. (laughs) Uh, there was a, a really great runner's lane interference call that mm. happened in NCAA baseball. And, you know, everybody was just going crazy over that. There was a, a kind of weird, obscure rule that was uh, enforced the other day in Major League Baseball. And again, all these people are, you know, whining and complaining and everything else. And yet uh, don't realize that, you know, it was being handled the appropriate way. But mm. just because it doesn't happen a lot, we don't think it happens. And, uh, oh, they think it's not a rule. That's right. right. That's yeah. exactly right. And mm-hmm. and the thing that's that's really interesting for us as sports officials is that you know we're not called to officiate to what the public thinks. We're mm-hmm. not called to officiate even to what announcers think. Sometimes announcers are the least educated yeah. into the rules out of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we're called to uh, officiate the rules as written. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of things that have become kind of unwritten rules over the years. Um, Different things that uh, maybe uh, an official passes on to another official or an assigner passes on to their group. And there there may have been times when those people have used very strong language to communicate something. Hmm. You know, um, if if I looked at a, a young official and I said, you should always get to your game site 90 minutes before the game. Mm -hmm. That's not bad advice, Mm -mm. right? Mm -mm. But it's probably not necessary to get there 90 minutes early for a 10-year-old baseball game. Right. You know, <laughs> you're, you're going to be sitting there for a while, you know, without a lot to do. Or there's, not, there's not even going to be a mom and dad. There might be one mom setting up the lawn chairs. Right? That's exactly <laughs> right. I used to coach 11, 12 year old baseball when my son was doing that. And I was lucky to get kids there five minutes before the game started. You know, <laughs> a few of them running up after first pitch, you yeah, know, right. where the parent had called me, put them on the lineup. We're going to be there. You <laughs> yeah. know? No hat in, in anywhere. That's right. Found. That's right. exactly yeah. right. So uh, there are things that sometimes have at least a kernel of truth to them. But in order to emphasize them or talk about them, a lot of times we use the words always and never. Mm. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take some always and never statements that we have found on social media, Mm. uh, whether that's social media uh, surrounding basketball officials, social media surrounding uh, baseball umpires, 
And uh, Jeff, I'm going to throw these quotes out to you. And I'd like for us to talk about if there's some uh, some truth to them, you know, mm-hmm. what, what that truth could be. And then also, you know, what potentially those exceptions might be if uh, if always and never is, is not the, the true statement mm-hmm. that we want to have there. So let's just dig right into this. All right. All right. And uh, let's let's start with one that uh, kind of digs into what we uh, we talked about uh, in one of our last episodes and, and this one's fun. And I can almost tell you the kind of person that put this down on social media. But this is what they said. Camps are just always about money. Mm. Camps are just always about money. Is, is that is that a true statement, Jeff? Well, always, you know, we, like we've already said, is a pretty strong word. Um. Money can be a driving force. Mm, yep. Um, I don't know that it's always about money, but it can be one of the engines that drives that. Whether it be the camp, whether it be the clinician, mm-hmm. or, or the coordinators that are putting on the camps, or even how about the camper that's not going mm. because it's about the money. They don't have the money. Sure. They think they don't get their $300 worth or $500 worth mm-hmm. or $75 worth, whatever that is. So um, it's not always about money, but it is most definitely can be a driving force in the whole circle, yeah. not just – and I feel like this is – this this quote that you pulled off social media is pushing towards the people that are putting on the camps. Yeah, I would say you're absolutely right. I would say, you know, a lot of times what happens is we look at so-and-so running a camp and we mm-hmm. look at how much the camp costs mm-hmm. and we look at how many people go to the camp and we start doing math really quick in our heads, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, if there's 100 people coming to a camp and it mm-hmm. costs 500 bucks to go to the camp, we're going, holy cow, that's a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know? And we're not recognizing the significant costs Number one, that go into running a camp. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got hotels for all your clinicians. You've got travel. You've got uh, stipends for them. You've got all that kind of thing. And yes, for many people running camps, you know, they are they're giving up. You know, not just a two or three day chunk of time, but they're giving up weeks as they do the prep, mm-hmm. as they do all of the offsite work, everything that goes into the administration and making these camps go. And so part of, of what happens is they're being reimbursed for their time and the other people that help them, uh, their, their time is worth something. Mm-hmm. And so they do that. But I'd also like to flip this around. I, I think for a lot of campers, camp is all about the money. And I don't just mean the money that I invest in going to the camp, mm. but it's about the money I want to make. Yep. Right? In the future, right. So, you know, I, I've heard people say before, well, you know, camp should be about getting better. I agree. Camp should be about getting better. And there are some camps that help you get better through classroom time and teaching time and really helping you get things in your muscle memory and get reps, that kind of thing. There are other camps that do it just purely by evaluation. Hey, mm-hmm. this is where you're at. These are the things you need to be working on. Both of those things ultimately can help us get better. Mm-hmm. We may have to take additional steps along with them in order to make that happen, but they definitely can. But 
let's be honest, the, the reason that most of us go to camps is so that we can either continue to make the money we're making mm. or potentially make more mm. by getting more assignments in more leagues at greater levels. Right. You know, um, so many people don't understand what other people are doing to prepare for camps. Mm. You know, just to kind of give you a little inside look. Just in the past, so what is it, you know, whatever, it's we're in the first week of June. June 1st, we started doing the schedules for campers and clinicians at our basketball camp coming up on Father's Day weekend. We are working tirelessly trying to get the schedule done, and as soon as we get it done, we get an email from some random camper saying they can't make it. Mm-hmm. We get a text from a clinician, oh, it looks like I can't make it now. You know, So we are working all the time, mm-hmm. way more than we want to. It's definitely not. People need to understand, and I think most people do, but you know, it's not, I did the schedule on June 1st, now I'm not touching it again. Mm-hmm. I'm done. That doesn't happen. It, when we, once we start touching it, it's many, many changes because it, at any point in time, someone could have to get called into work for that weekend. Somebody can get sick. You name it, right? Now we're looking for more campers, you know, all those things. So um, those those that are that think it's all about money, I, I think they don't. They haven't been on the inside of it, or they have been on the inside of it, but they've been on the wrong side of the inside of it because. You know, just to give you a little bit, I can only speak to my stories, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I know. Uh, you know, the the year we had COVID, so 2020, our camp, of course, we couldn't get together and do the camp, so we did an online camp. And we still charged whatever it was to, to do those things. I I just spoke up to Jen and Randy, and it's, I don't want to get paid. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get paid. I don't want any money. So... Not about money. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to do it because I, I don't, I want everyone to just hang on to their money for whatever it might be. But the flip side of that, Chad, is it, I didn't tell anybody that, right? I just mm-hmm. first time I've actually made it really public. If I was to go into camp, let's just say a regular camp and say, hey, I'm not taking any money for this. I'm not doing it. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to be a clinician for y'all. I'm going to do a classroom session and I'm not going to take any money. The people that are not happy are going to say, well, I wasn't very good. I mean, you could tell he wasn't getting paid for it because he didn't try. Mm. And if I say, hey, I am taking money, there's a whole other group of people going, I can't believe I paid $300 for that. That's the best he could do yeah. for my 300 bucks. Zero chance of making everybody happy. Yeah. We just got to know that the... The, the things that we're putting into whatever we're either collecting or we're not collecting, mm-hmm. you know, do it with, with all of your heart, you know, do it with the best of your ability and, and try to add value to the people that are around you. Yeah. And just to, to kind of put a bow on this one, I would just say if, if money is your primary concern about camps, you're probably never going to be happy mm-hmm. because the camps are never going to be cheap enough mm-hmm. and you're never going to make enough on the other side. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, but if if you look at it as an investment, mm-hmm. not just into your schedule, but just an investment into who you are as a person and the yeah. people that you're going to meet and the relationships you're going to build, uh, it's amazing where where that can lead. Mm-hmm. Our second uh, quote 
says you should never address the fans. Uh, and I've actually seen uh, quotes like this both on uh, basketball uh, pages as well as baseball. So mm-hmm. I think this definitely applies to both. I think sometimes we can we can hear the fans in our ear a little bit more uh, at one sport versus the other, mm-hmm. uh, but it definitely happens both places. What, what's your thought about that? We should never address the fans. Yeah, well, again, never is a, such a strong word. I would I would change it to very rarely. Okay, or almost never. Yeah, almost never, right? Yep. You know, um, this is a special circumstance only. Okay, so then what are those special circumstances where we should address fans? Um, I think if they have, if they're getting on your nerves, that's not a special circumstance. Very true. If they are um, disrupting what's going on on the floor or on the field, then maybe we have to address this. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if they're causing danger, potentially could be dangerous to you or anybody on that field or or court, that's when we, we want to address that. Um, but that's the very few cha- very few things. Mm-hmm. If and you know, I've heard people say, "Well, listen, if they're taking your attention away from the floor or the field, then you need to address it." Mm. I, th- I get it. I understand it. I think those circumstances are uh, reserved for people that are involved in the game, mm-hmm. players and coaches and scorekeepers and things like that. So a fan should be, what did you say? Almost never mm-hmm. be addressed. Um, and it better be a very rare instance. And I th- also think it needs to be something that everyone knows there's an issue. Yeah. It, it's, you know, we get why this is happening. They, when you all of a sudden stop a game and, you know, call security over and bring somebody over into the eighth row and they're like, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. They're just, you know, they're probably not uh, a threat to the game. The, and, and let's remember there, you know, there are steps that we can take, you know, there should be game administration at almost every game that we work, you know, whether that's a summer game, whether that's a whoever. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's important for us as officials to know who that person is before a game starts. Mm-hmm. And it can be as simple as saying to the home coach, can can you have your game administration and just get a handle on what's happening over mm-hmm. there on the third base side? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, hey, that group over in section 101 is, you know, I, I feel like they're crossing the line talking to the opposing players. Yeah, you know? calling, yeah. Yeah, you know, anything that, you know, would be, you know, racist, sexual, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, they both the NCAA and most high school state associations have said that's that's not okay. It needs to be addressed. And so if, if we pass that off early to game administration, then hopefully it never gets to a place where we have to address it ourselves. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm tr- trying to think. I can only recall one story where I had to um, dismiss a fan from a game. I'm sure there's more, right? But the the one that's fresh in my memory is a few years back. It's been a number of years. Um, it was a basketball game, and they were in the front row, and they had the big foam finger on, right? You know what I mean? And then there was a close block charge call. It went in favor of the fan, mm-hmm. but they kind of came off their seat, you know, cheering, whatever it is. Their foam finger comes off. Goes onto the floor, hits the player. Ooh, right. Yeah. Now, this is when, when it happened, I go, hmm, 
that's probably not good, right? Now, I wasn't quick to go, that's it. You're out of here, right? Yeah. I'm processing all of it, watching player react. You know, if that player would have got up and high-fived him and go, hey, that's, you know, don't worry about it, probably would have made a big deal. If the, the coach was upset, the player was upset, all those things led to, well, it's very obvious to everyone around that the guy or fan, girl, I don't know who it was now, threw something onto the floor. Mm-hmm. Let's just eject them. It's that simple. And when we did that, it was it was the fan knew that they had messed up. The administration, it makes it very easy for administration to, okay, listen, you can't do those things. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about when everyone knows about it. The, the fan or the player was probably in no danger by getting hit by a foam finger. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Last I looked, they're not lethal. But it's just it's just something that is very obvious. And as I processed all that and got to a, a calmer moment where we got players under control, we got coaches under control, and now we can make that decision like, you know, we need to have this fan removed. Yeah. No, it's good. Um I love this next question, or next quote, excuse me. It says, you can never work too many games. Yeah. Is that true? Uh, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Uh, just speaking, you know, a couple things. Basketball-wise, your legs only got so many runs in them. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. That's that's why people retire, mm-hmm. you know, because they're tired. So if you're gonna if you're gonna go on that quote and say you can never work too many games, and you work, I don't know, whatever, seven AAU games on Saturday and seven AAU games on Sunday, at 25 years old, and you keep on doing it every weekend, you're you're not gonna be in in prime uh, ability to work an NCAA Division three game or whatever that is because I'm wore out. Mm-hmm. Wonder why he retired. I wonder why she retired so soon. Maybe it was the fourteen AAU games every weekend, every summer. You want to get as many reps as you can. And I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. I don't believe I have. But I, I was listening to some podcast or YouTube video or whatever it was, and it was a guy talking about fitness. And he was talking about how some people think you need to go out all out every time you work out. You look always looking to do. PRs, personal records, right? PBs, personal best, right? Always going to do that every time. Well, and he says it's the other way. If if you work out and do your personal best, try and go for your personal best Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you, you're not worth deadly on Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday because you've tried to do your personal best and you're going all out, and you do, we'll just say, your personal best is five reps mm-hmm. at 200 pounds. But if I can do eight reps at 175 pounds, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because I'm rested and I, it didn't take it all out of me, I've gotten more reps in, mm-hmm. you know, instead of going out and killing yourself. So kind of steered away from, you know, no, 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 something into too many games. I think you have to be real careful with that quote, and you have to be real careful with. I, th- I think there's great, great value in rest. Mm-hmm. Kind of like saying, "Hey, I don't need to sleep." Yeah, you do. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll be sick. 
Well, there's there's two thoughts that I have about this. Number one is I think it is really important, especially when we're starting out, whether it's just starting out to a new sport, period, or hitting a, a new level. Mm. I do think it's important to get as many reps as we can because that's what's going to allow us to get better. You know, when we see plays at that level, the more plays we see, the better. Um, one of the things that I love about some of the preseason basketball work that I've gotten to do the last couple of years is that the preseason basketball I've worked is at a higher level than the regular season basketball that I worked. Mm. And so when I was done working that preseason stuff and I got to my first D2, D3 game, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, this is great. Like mm. it's almost like, you know, slow motion. Mm -hmm. I, I can make these calls. Mm -hmm. um, same things happen for me in, in baseball. You know, if I go, I work, you know, some of the independent minor league baseball that I work during the summer, and then I go work a special event, uh, like I've had the opportunity to work the Colt League World Series the last several years. Um, they're great 16-year-old players, but they're not 25-year-old guys throwing 98 like mm. the guy was last night. Mm -hmm. um, and all of a sudden now, because I've seen it at one level, I've gotten those reps in, you know, now I'm, I'm there. Same thing, uh, you know, when, when you're starting out, trying to get as many reps at whatever level as you can. <clears throat> totally makes sense. But I think there is a difference between good reps and bad reps. Mm -hmm. you, you know, use the analogy of a guy being able to get five reps, you know, 200, 200 pounds for five reps. Well, that's really only his personal best if he's doing those reps correctly. Right. You know, but yeah. if he's arching his back and he's he's moving from side to side and he's doing all this other stuff, then he really can't do 200 pounds five times. Mm -hmm. You know, not isolating those muscles. And I'll see people go work five travel baseball games in a day. And from the get-go, they are conserving energy. Yep. <laughs> because they know they've got five games they got to do. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll go work eight or nine AAU basketball games in a day, and they never get past half court. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem with that is, is that that's what you're putting in your muscle memory, mm -hmm. right? And I found it interesting. I listened to a quote uh, by a, a lady who did some some unique things in uh, in education. Um. In fact, the, the Montessori schools that you see come from a, a lot of her philosophy and things like that. And her statement was, what the hand does, the mind remembers. Mm. Okay, what the hand does, the mind remembers. And I found that very interesting because if all I ever do is go from the inline to half court, and the inline to half court, and the inline to half court, and I never get down to that twenty-eight foot mark, you know. And I'm doing that on a on a high school length court, you know. Well, now all of a sudden, in the in the when I go to my college camp, and the clinician says, you know, hey, you're not getting in tight enough when you're at trail. Hmm. Oh yeah, I am. You may think that you are, mm -hmm. but your mind has said, I'm at the right spot because that's what your body has done. Right. You know, and you may think you're getting down further, but you're really not. You may think you're moving quickly across in your rotation and you're not. You may feel like you're getting up to the 45 on the, you know, at the first baseline 
as the plate umpire to watch that pulled foot at first. And really you're not even outside the dirt circle. Yeah. You know, because you've been so used to conserving energy. And so I, I, I think there is truth to this statement. I think the more reps we get, the more quality reps we get, the better we get. But I also agree with your statement. There comes a point where we need rest. Mm. And there comes a point when they are no longer productive reps. I would almost say there's no, how does the quote go? Is no, there's never. What the the hand does, the mind remembers. What's the quote we're talking about? Oh, gotcha here. It says you can never work too many games. So uh, let's change it to you can never work too many games at the level you want to work. Ooh, I like that. Right. So if I want to work division three, if I'm looking to work division three basketball, then you can't work enough division three games right now. Mm. If you want to work division one baseball, then you can't work enough division one baseball. So if I'm, that's where I'm not going to spend a weekend working five, you know, 10 U baseball games when I really want to work division three baseball. That's, that's too many. I think that's, that's the little caveat we got to make with that. I like that a lot. That's that's good stuff, Jeff. Um, here's one that kind of uh, I think we'll we'll tie into that a little bit. And the conversation this came out of on social media was people talking about uh, getting paid with their worth, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And talking about how you know there are some uh, there are some recreation leagues where they ask people to umpire for free. There's some YMCA basketball leagues where, you know, parents jump in and work for free or whatever. And people were talking about how that kind of diminishes what we do and that kind of thing. And so the statement was made, never work for free. Hmm. Right. Uh, how, how do you respond to that? I've worked for free many times. Hmm. So I, again, I would say never work for free at the level you're trying to work. But you're, you're trying to tell me that Special Olympics calls and says, hey, you know, we need a basketball referee. We'd really love to have Jeff Cross come and say we have a Division One referee, refereeing, or I want to give some time back, then you're darn tootin' I'll do it for free. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we have this young umpire who who really, they, they only have the money to pay for one umpire, but would you go stand on the bases and, and support him and, and take some pressure so that all you can do is pay attention to balls and strikes. If I'm available, yeah, I'll do it for free. Mm-hmm. So to say never work for free, totally incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't want to work games for free that, at a level we're trying to get at. So I think there's, there's a real um, – It's, there's a there's a real need probably for more of us to work for free to help the games that we are that we're involved in mm-hmm. because if it wasn't for professional MLB baseball right or our division one baseball world college world series coming up and that they've made the sport what it is mm-hmm. no one's gonna really care about the special Olympics because they've the special Olympics. They're like, they're excited about baseball because they see it on TV. So mm-hmm. I think you're, you're, you're not doing it justice. I think so. Well, and, and I would push back just a little bit on the idea that we, we shouldn't work for free where we want to work. And here's what I mean by that. Um, there's a, a local uh, college slash men's league in the Chicagoland area uh, that typically works with two umpires. Right. But the assigner for that league, Chris, uh, 
uh, he has sent out information to lots of college baseball umpires in the area saying, look, if you're wanting to get in three-person reps, if you're wanting to get in four-person reps, mm. shoot me some dates. I'll tell you who's working where and go jump in on a game mm. and get reps. Mm. You know? And maybe good point. maybe Very the other point. two guys on it say, oh, man, we get to work three-man instead of two-man. Well, hey, let's just split the two mm-hmm. checks three ways, yeah. you know, or let's split them four ways if it's a four-person crew or whatever. And, hey, maybe we'll we'll all do this a couple times, and then, you know, two of us get paid one day and the mm-hmm. other two get paid the next day. But sure. it's, it's going to make us better, right? Um, there are other times where I, I see it in basketball. Um, you've got uh, – an assigner that says, Hey, here's a, a team that's got some early, uh, some early practices this year. And they'd like to have some people just calling fouls and violations while they work some drills, mm-hmm. man, jump at that chance. Mm. Even if it's not paid. Yeah. Because not only are you going to get ahead of the game with everybody else and that you're, you're seeing those plays and you're getting that in your muscle memory and all, but now you've got an opportunity to build relationships with coaches mm get an opportunity to build relationships with players and have them see us as officials as someone who gives to the game. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have I have worked a lot of preseason basketball the last couple of years um, at, at levels higher than what I work. Mm. And some of those I've gotten paid very well. Some of those I have gotten paid barely enough to cover the cost of my gas to get there and back. Right. But I'll still say yes to all of them because, again, I see it as an investment. So it's not me working for free. You know, it's me getting a return off of an investment. A different return, right? That's right. Because let's face it, everyone who's coming to our camp next Friday or next weekend is working for free. That's right. They're, they're paying to work. Yeah, they're yeah they're paying to work for a hope of a return on investment. So, right. yeah, wrong. I, I I don't agree with much of that to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Um, so these next uh these these next quotes I can kind of lump together here. So I'll, I'll give them to you one at a time. But they really have to do with this idea of of trust. Okay. Um, and so the, the first one that I'm going to throw out to you says, you should always trust your partners. Now, to put that in context, we hear that a lot, especially in basketball. Hey, trust your partners, trust your partners. You know, they've got their primary, you've got your primary, trust your partners. Mm-hmm. Um, is that true? You should always trust your partners. Well, I think you should trust your partners, but I also think you can't have blind trust. Mm. You can't just say, hey, listen, not doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I When I'm driving on the road and I see someone that has their turn signal on to turn right, I can't trust that they're really going to turn right, even though they say they're going to turn right. Maybe they've turned it on by accident. Maybe they forgot it was on. Whatever. So, yes, I trust that they're turning right, but I'm not going to have blind trust that they're going to turn right and just go, oh, here we go. I'm just going to go around it. So that's where I think that people make the mistake. Now, and, I, and I've been to, you know, lots of camps, and I've heard lots of scenarios about this. You know, if we just speak within basketball terms here, right, or basketball lingo, when I blow the whistle in your primary, mm-hmm what I'm doing is passing judgment on your no call. Mm-hmm. 
I get it, but it is a game of angles. Yep. I have an angle that shows illegal contact. Um, so to always trust your partner, I think is, is tough. We should trust our partner. We just do not want to have blind trust. And so, you know, I know we've been talking about this just from a, a play calling standpoint. And so then I'll, I'll flip that. If, if it's my primary that you're making a call in, hmm. the more trust I have in you, the easier that becomes for me. Yeah. Hey, I trust that Jeff is only going to come get that mm. if it's an angle that he knew I was blocked out on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's not a play that's just right in front of me that I've clearly made a decision. I'm going to no call this. Mm -hmm. Jeff saw something I didn't see. And so I trust him on that. So the fact that you would come in and make that call for me doesn't mean you don't trust me. It means that you saw something different than what I saw. Mm-hmm. Could be could be something as simple as just a, a distraction. Absolutely. You know, if we're speaking in basketball, it could be a coach that was saying something to you, and you're trying to answer that. You know, that trying to respond to it in some way, and now there's contact, mm -hmm. illegal contact that we've just missed because you know it's been proven our brain can't do two things at once. We like to think we can, but we can't. Absolutely. I I don't think there is a basketball official out there that's been doing this for any length of time that hasn't missed an obvious call mm -hmm. because of a coach interaction. Yeah. And if you say that you've not missed one because of that, either you never communicate with coaches <laughs> yeah. or you're fooling yourself. Yeah. Because it happens. Well, and let's be clear. You you may have gotten some. Mm-hmm. You may have. You, you, you may remember. Oh, yeah, I remember. I was getting a earful from this coach, and I still called that offensive foul. You may have done it. It still doesn't mean that you haven't missed one. Right. or two or multiples because of that oh yeah i still have video of one that i missed i'm sitting there and i'm getting an earful from a coach and i miss a travel that is i mean it's not a little travel like it's a big travel mm. like you know grandma with glaucoma at the top <laughs> row of the arena could have called that travel mm -hmm. you know and my partner comes across and grabs it and of course afterwards we're laughing about it you know mm -hmm. but it's it's the kind of thing where there was just there was a momentary distraction and mm -hmm. that happened and so again it's not that my partner didn't trust me i just missed it yeah and so my partner came and got it and mm -hmm. we see the same thing happen in baseball you know a a ball goes down and hits a player in the foot and then squirts out you know in front of the plate mm -hmm. and the catcher goes out to make a play and all of a sudden my third base umpire is up with his hands in the air saying foul foul that hit him in the box well it's not that he doesn't trust me mm -hmm. it's just that he saw it much clearer than I did. Right. And so he made that call. Now, I think there's another element to this as well, though. I don't think it's just trust when it comes to play calling. But we need to understand that the things that we say and the things that we do um, don't, don't just happen in a tiny little box and then go away when that game's over. Mm. So what I mean by that is, is that if... If you're bad-mouthing other officials in the locker room, you you don't know who your partner is friends with. Sure. You know? Mm -hmm. If you're bad-mouthing coaches, you don't realize that that coach is that person's brother-in-law or sister-in-law <laughs> right. or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know? And so we just need to be wise when it comes to some of those interactions. Yeah. Say, the, say what you said. Say how you said it again because it— 
it caught me off guard. So yeah, I, I think we need to just be careful in our interactions and our comments with other officials because this idea that you know we should always trust, right? Well, hey, whatever I say stays mm-hmm. in this locker room. Mm-hmm. Whatever I, well, no, and and it shouldn't always. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think when we say when we're in the locker room, we're talking about those certain scenarios whether you're frustrated with a coach or whatever it is, stick to the facts, you know, stick to the facts and, and be prepared that, listen, no matter what I say in this locker room to Chad and Greg or whoever that might be, I'm fully prepared to admit that I've done it if I get approached on this, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's okay if you feel like you need to share whatever that information is, but don't, you know, get cowardly now when you hear, oh, Chad's related to the person I was talking to, and now that person wants to talk to me about this, or you go, hey, Jeff, I'm related to Fred. Um, what do you mean by that? And then now I start cowarding away. If you're going to say these things, have some courage to stand behind your thoughts mm-hmm. and your words. If you're not willing to do that, then don't say them. Yep. No, I, I absolutely agree. It's it's one thing to say, I'm so frustrated with the way the coach responded to that situation. Yeah. It's another thing to say that coach is a blankety blank. Mm -hmm, Right. Those are two different things. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We're going to go backwards a little bit that uh, my baseball game with a regular listener of the podcast. Right. Mm And uh, so my baseball game the other day and I was telling Gina, I said, you know, I I got a game with, with uh, Lance and he's a regular listener to the podcast. And she goes, oh, are you prepared to back up what you preach? <laughs> and, you know, whether I'm – it's not about backing it up. It's about, yeah. listen, this is just how I think of things. This is how I live. Yeah. And I'm perfectly okay with everything I've said to take it on the baseball field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to be perfectly clear. Listen, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I do make mistakes. But when I do speak – I feel very confident in my beliefs about what I'm speaking about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't worried about. Oh, am I going to be able to back up what I? It wasn't even part of my thought process. Sure, but it could be if if I was. I'm not always speaking the truth mm-hmm. when we turn the mics on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then that also then goes into. I love this. It says you should never trust a player or a coach? Hmm. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, never such a strong word. Yeah. Um, you know, we used to, we used to have a phrase back in the day when I was umpiring and, and I might've been referring basketball, whatever it was, but you know, and the phrase was they hate you. Mm-hmm. No matter how much they say they like you, they hate you. Yeah. Just, you know, cause we're a necessary evil. In those situations. So um, whether or not you can trust them, only that person knows mm-hmm. that's actually saying. It's not even the receiver. It's the giver, the one that, you know, that you know, they know whether or not they're lying or not. Mm-hmm. And we, we do that, right? We, oh, I can think of just a couple of times last night where a kid would swing at maybe a high pitch and, and he'd go, you know, was that in his own? Well, I, and truthfully, I think it was out. Mm-hmm. But I sure did like the fact that he swung at it. it didn't have to make me decide. Yep. And I would answer, look pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's a strike. I'm not saying, but I'm not going to, you know, and it's the same thing, right? So if I ball a pitch and the catcher turns around and says, you know, is that outside? And I go, yeah. He goes, yeah, me too. I thought so too. But he, he could be lying. Yeah. So that I think to me, that means nothing to me. I'm not worried about if coaches, if I'm going to trust what coaches and players have to say. We all communicate throughout you know, a nine inning ball game or a 40 minute uh, basketball game just to get through. That's what we sure. do. You know, bosses do that. You know, supervisors do that. They communicate with uh, their subordinates in order to get them to show up the next day, yep. even though they may be frustrated and ready to quit. And, you know, we might have, you might have a supervisor go, Hey, listen, I, I think you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Even though the numbers don't prove it and the numbers don't show it. This, this supervisor is trying to encourage them to keep on going because a catcher doesn't want the umpire to give up. Yep. So he's going to encourage the umpire. You're doing great, man. I think, I think you're right. You did miss that. You did what it was outside. You didn't miss that pitch or whatever it might be. So we're all trying to get everyone to compete and complete. Yep. I, I will say this. I have a little different view on this now that I'm uh, a coordinator because I I know some umpires that think they have these phenomenal relationships with coaches. Yeah, that the wrong. coaches love them. The coaches have told them they love seeing them on their field mm-hmm. every time. Yada yada yada. I mean, they've they've told me this to my face, and I know the way those coaches rate them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the coach does not rate them the yeah. way that umpire feels like mm-hmm. the coach has communicated with them. Yeah. Which means that there's either that that coach is trying to make the day as bearable as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, we've said before, okay, if, if a C is the best I've got in me, mm-hmm. the coach doesn't want to see a D play <laughs> right. job out of me, right? right? You yeah. know, and maybe if he can stroke my ego or whatever, maybe I can eke out a C plus that day. Yep. And that's better for him, mm-hmm. you know? Um, or, or it could be that he, he really is just trying to work the system mm-hmm. and feels like if he can butter you up enough and everything else that maybe a call will go his way mm-hmm. or her way or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But I, I really do think that's part of it. But I think there are a few moments that we can that we can trust both players and coaches. But I think that only comes over time and with relationship. Yeah. What I mean by that is uh Maybe you're maybe you're working at a site that doesn't live stream their games, or whatever, and you had a really a, a really tough play that happened, and you shoot an email to that coach. Coach, is, is there any way you guys have video on that or whatever? Uh, you know what? I've got it. I I can't send it out. Whatever you know, for whatever reason, they don't have it in that format or whatever. You know, but I, I want you to know, I did look at that play. And, uh, and you got it right, mm-hmm. you know, especially if it's a play that went against that coach, Sure. then you can probably trust that statement. You know, um, I had a play that happened during the NCAA regionals this year. Uh, I think I talked about it on an, on an earlier podcast where a, a kid, uh, I called a no catch on a mm-hmm. ball that he initially caught, mm-hmm. you know, but the ball came out. And so, you know, I just asked him, you know, Hey, is, is this, what I saw, what I think I saw. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Well, I can trust that because that it went against <laughs> what he wanted to have happen. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so I do think there are some moments we can trust that. And I, I do think there are times when you built up a relationship. We see it a ton as, as baseball umpires, especially in the summer. If you work a league 
where you're going to see the same catcher over and over and over. You know, it's at some point you, you develop a professional relationship, mm-hmm. not a buddy relationship, yeah. but a professional relationship. Mm-hmm. And you can oh. just ask them. I feel like I feel like I'm tighter than normal today. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? Yeah. It, you, normally, you give us that corner, and you're mm-hmm. not today. Okay, right. I can probably trust that. Yeah. Yeah, I call it a working relationship. Yeah. You know, we we all need working relationships um, in everything we do, mm-hmm. uh, whether that be in the factory or if that's on the baseball field or if it's at you know McDonald's. Yep. We need to have some sort of working relationship that's going to get us all of us through the job that we need to. Yeah, no, that's good. This last one kind of ties into these two, and and I find it interesting the way that they put it. Um, It said, you should always defend your partner or partners. Hmm. Is that true? Uh, No. Okay. I mean, I'm probably going to get emails. (laughs) Uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com. That's right. Not jeffcross22 at (laughs) Um, gmail.com. I think it, you know, you want to support your partners, mm-hmm. but defend is a pretty strong word. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty strong statement. It's a pretty strong um, ask when you and I have a game and my supervisor calls and says, Jeff, what was, what'd you think of Chad's plate job last night? I, and I, if I thought it was bad, I can't defend you. Or, you know, Jeff, did, with that strike three call that he made in the bottom of the night to finish the game, was it low? I can't defend you and go, well, n- no, it wasn't low. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. There's there's times when we want to support you, mm-hmm. and there's times we just can't defend you. Yep. And I think even supervisors would admit to that. You know, you're being a supervisor yourself. And you, you know, you want to defend all of your – Mm-hmm. your umpires, your staff. But when you see it on video and you see it clearly wrong, it's hard to defend. Yeah. You can support them and go, yeah, if we should, if we could have just got that plate umpire into the wedge, I feel like they would have got that call correctly. But I, I can't defend an out call here. Video shows safe. Yeah. Well, and the other piece of this is, and I, I think where this was coming from was this idea that we shouldn't be throwing our partners under the bus. I agree. Which is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. There is a way to not throw my partner under the bus and yet still be truthful. Mm. You know, Jeff has said more than a few times that you can't go wrong with honesty. Yeah. Right? And uh, I believe that's a, a, a very real thing i I believe that's a a, a practice that that is is valuable to life in general not just officiating Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i think honesty is very good policy um and it's one thing for you know me to be in c in front of the coach on a basketball court and my my partner just made a call on the other end that just really ticked off this coach. And the coach goes, can you believe the call that they just made? Mm. I know. They've been horrible all night. Yeah, I can't believe they're working okay. this game. Right. right? That's <laughs> that's throwing my partner under the bus. Yep. That's not support. That's not support. Um, I come down and the coach says that. And I just say, hey, you know, they, they had a different angle than you and me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying if they're right or wrong. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just supporting my partner. Yep. Right? Yep. You know? Um, or I say, man, you know, that, that was a tough situation. Mm-hmm. That's, 
That's a simple thing for me to say. Again, I'm not saying if they're right or wrong. Now, that's very different than a direct question from a supervisor asking mm-hmm. me about something. Mm-hmm. It's also very different than a direct question from that official after the game. Sure. You know, yep. I oh, I thought I really nailed I thought I really nailed that call. Okay, well, here's what I saw. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's again where having the guts to share honestly with them mm-hmm. where I was, what I thought can can make a significant difference. Well, we don't want to share that honesty and thoughts until we know that this conversation is open for honesty. That's right. Yep. You know, I, I can walk in the locker room and go, I really nailed that call and never once ask you if I, if you thought I nailed it. That's right. You know, if you give me enough time to talk, I'll ask you what it looked like from where you were at. Mm-hmm. You know, those, that's difference. That's and right. The, the, the issue is most people that are on the listening end of that don't have enough patience to wait for that. They'll keep talking. Mm-hmm. And they'll ask for your opinion. Yep. You know, if they don't, then so be it. Because if they're not asking for your opinion, no matter what you say, is going to steer them in that direction. Yeah. And there are ways to disagree without being disagreeable. Yeah. Right? You know, again, my supervisor says, hey, uh, how was how was Jeff's zone the other day? You know, I, I, I've seen Jeff with a better zone. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a way of me saying yep. it wasn't his best without right. me trashing Jeff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, if the coordinator wants more information than that, then they can follow up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what do you mean by that? Yeah. It was you passing. Know? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know? Right. There, you know, there are things like that that we can absolutely do. Um, and then let's also say, and just be super clear, there are some things that are undefendable. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Somebody shows up to a game under the influence of something Mm -hmm. that is undefendable. Yeah. I can't always defend my partner. No, I can't, you know, somebody shows up five minutes before first pitch Mm -hmm. and then says, Oh, I please don't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's, that's undefendable. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. By then my coordinator should have already been informed. Yep. Too late. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but but that's the truth, you yeah. know. That's th- there are some things that are undefendable, and and we have to be able to pre- be prepared for that. Yeah, I, and I think that's what we're like. I think there's a difference: defend and support. Yep, we got to figure that out. No, that's good. Here's our last one for today, Jeff. You should never work an upper level until you are ready to work that level. Baloney. <laughs> How do you know if you're ready mm-hmm. until you work it? How do you know? I mean, it, it, if I had it in my head, I'm the I'm the judge and jury on whether I'm ready for the next level, and I maybe I don't have enough self confidence. Maybe you know I haven't been told and not surrounded myself with enough people that support me. Well, I'll never work the next level. Then mm-hmm. you work the next level when you're open and they call you. Mm. That's when you work it. Yep, you'll know real quick. Mm-hmm. You'll know real quick. You may not want, want to work a lot of games at the next level if you're not ready because the proof will be in the pudding. Yeah. <laughs> you work that next level game and you're horrendous or you're, re, you know, like you're in this, you know, state of mind that you can't even sleep at night because you, you know, so worried that you messed up in your higher level game, then yeah, you don't need to work it. Mm-hmm. But to say 
Never work it until you're ready. Okay, then tell me who who's the one who tells you you're ready. I'll, I'll play your game. Yeah. Tell me who's ready. And I, I think a lot of people don't work up because people say you're not ready. You're not ready. Okay. So, and here's what I would say to that: If other people don't think you're ready, but you're comfortable working that next level, then try it. Mm-hmm. Why not? On the flip side of that, if you think you're not ready, but other people do, then give it a try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because there, there are two things that happen. Sometimes we have an inflated idea of what we're able to go do. Mm-hmm. Right? Other people mm-hmm. say we're not ready. I, I, I think I can handle this. Mm-hmm. Let me go try it. Mm-hmm. And if I try it and it doesn't work, okay, well, now I know they were right. And these are people I can listen to. Mm-hmm. It could be the reason they're saying you're not ready is because they're afraid that you're going to get their games. <laughs> I see this a ton at the high school level. You got a guy who's been working a sophomore basketball game, mm. and the varsity officials come in. And go, Man, you're doing a good job, but you know you're just not quite ready for varsity yet, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I mean, in this day and age, being able to work varsity, part of it is do you have a pulse, yeah. right? Because we're so short for officials everywhere at the high school level. Yeah, but. But that's the kind of thing that can happen. But other times, we are so self-unassured that when there are other people around us that we trust, that, I mean, go go try that. Go work that varsity game. Yeah. You know, they need somebody. Go go work it. Go to that junior college camp. Go to that D1 camp. I know mm-hmm. you've just been working JUCO D3, but I think you're ready. Okay, mm-hmm. well then, let's go. Let's mm-hmm. let's take that risk. Let's do that. Well, and I've, and I've shared the story with you many times and, and other people I know, you know, when I went to my first Division One basketball camp, there was I had I had more people telling me I shouldn't go than telling me I should go. Matter of fact, I can't think of anyone that told me, "Yeah, go for it." Everyone was telling me, "You're not ready. You gotta wait. You gotta wait." Well, I felt like I could try it, mm-hmm. and I tried it, and it worked out. Imagine if I'd have listened to all those people. Mm-hmm. It. It's just not our job. We, we need to, we need to have the self confidence. We need to have um, a little bit of um, assurance that we're gonna that we can do it. But really, it's just not the people around us' job to decide if we're ready or not. Mm. It's the people hiring. Yep. It that's all there is to it. There, there has been a post. That a friend of mine posted, and he's looking for, I forget what he what he called the position, in some sort of um, script, something, whatever it was, you know, uh, content creator or whatever it was, right? So I don't know what it is. But I so want to email this guy back and say, what do you mean by this? What are you looking for? Because it, it seemed rather interesting to me. I don't know mm-hmm. if I could do it or not. I have no idea. But I want to do more. I want to... Let's dig into it a little bit more. What does this mean? What are you looking for? Um, so, and I think that's what we do, right? We we get it set in our head. Oh, that's that's a company, like you know, whatever. If if uh, if uh, uh, McDonald's was to call me and say, "Hey, listen, you know, we're or put out an ad. We're looking for a CEO of McDonald's. We're looking for a a branch manager to to handle thirty McDonald's." Well, I've never worked at McDonald's before. I don't know if I can do that. Do more research to find out. Maybe you can. Mm-hmm. Instead of going, I can't do it because I've never worked at a McDonald's. I've never refereed a lacrosse game, but doesn't mean I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I may have to do some research. I can dig into it a little bit more and then try it. Instead yeah. of worrying about, oh, it's just not for me. Why? 
because you've never done it before. I go back to what my, my wife said, you know, many, many years ago. What do you know about doing basketball? And I didn't. Yep. Well, I hope this has been good for you all today. You know, a lot of times we just hear some of these statements. And, again, it, it, many of these statements came about with great intentions. Sure. Because mm-hmm. they cover so many examples. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, leave the fans alone, all right? Never address the fans. You know what? 99.99% of the situations, that's exactly correct. But sometimes it's good to know when's that point zero one that I do need to, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, don't trust coaches, players. Yeah, but, but there are moments that we need to be able to. You know, there, there are trust somebody, that, right? Yeah, we, we, we've got to be able to do that. You know, um, you know what, what are camps really about? What are they not? Mm-hmm. All those kinds of things. I hope this has been helpful to you as you've been listening today. If you have other quotes uh, that maybe you've seen or other things that are there, shoot them to us. UncommonDrivePodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to dig into them and talk about it uh, as, uh, as we all hopefully strive and drive. Uh, towards a new uncommon success in our life, uh, in the way that we lead people, and in the legacy that we leave. Yeah. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.